The following podcast contains coarse language and adult themes. This week on the show, we take a little Flanagan-adjacent detour along the winding road back to the Overlook Hotel that is absolutely thronged with helicopters. That's right, get your elevators full of blood and your creepy little twin shitheads in your hallway because it's Stanley Kubrick's The Shining. I'm Riggs. I'm Eddie. And this is the Filmatics Podcast. Hey folks and welcome back to the Filmatics Podcast. I'm here with Addy. What's going on, mate? Cup of Joe there? Cup of Joe? I'm doing okay. I'm having morning coffee at 9am. Nice. 9am. Recording at 9am and talking about The Shining is, is quite funny to me. Um, can I ask you, mm-hmm. in... I was just saying to Addy off mic, I've got a smoothie. I'm having a smoothie. It's very thick. <laughs> Put too many things in it and there's literal pieces of blueberry skin. Anyway... Enough about my blueberries. With your with your coffee there, is that a is that a colloquialism that translates for you? A cup of Joe, or is that a very American thing? No, that was that was straight up my head. In the stuff, this is such a thick smoothie. I'm serious, man. I could fucking pave roads, clean battleships. I should have finished it before we got started, but I was I was busy. Um, yeah, like a cup of Joe is a cup of coffee in in America. Um. I don't know why. I have no idea who Joe is and if he invented coffee. It seems unlikely. Um, but anyway, enough of that nonsense. What's going on? I'm doing. I'm doing okay. Uh, things okay. I'm just watching a lot of stuff. Ooh, well, we'll get into that. In in in, in what are we watching? How are you? I'm dandy. I'm dandy. I'm I'm having a fucking week, man. I'm just having some technical snafus. Like had to like you've you've heard like spoke spoke to Addy. You've got a new editing system because it's crapped out. Um, I hired out some equipment that was damaged that now needs to be repaired. Um, uh, just, yeah, I, I had, was shooting all weekend with the new uh, Atmos Shogun that I've got and, um, it didn't, it didn't capture audio for some reason and I'm trying to troubleshoot that. And it was just a lot of things going, Hey Riggs, stop doing this job. And I was like, fuck. And it, it's really hard to like pick yourself up after all that and be like, Oh no, I still want to do this job. I get very tired with all that stuff. It gets all that technical stuff gets in the way of the creative so much, and I was I was exhausted by the end of this week. But I'm happy to be here. This is beautiful. This is a place of peace for me. Talking about Stanley Kubrick's The Shining. I didn't say Stephen King's The Shining because he fucking hates this movie. We'll get into that. Um, and uh, and and uh, you know I, I can totally understand it. Um, but uh, you know this is this is this is a dude who's very protective of his stuff. Um, and uh, Stanley Kubrick was very single-minded, but we'll we'll chat about all about that uh, when we get into the bulk of the episode. Do do you want to talk about what we've been watching? Because that's that's why the people are really here. Yeah, let's do what we're watching. What are we watching? I don't know. <laughs> no, it's very very Octobery. I dig it. So, what are we watching? What is it? What are we going on? How, how many times have you watched Dungeons and Dragons since the last record? 
I can't. I've lost count. My goodness. Oh, that's another thing as well. You'll probably notice these episodes are coming out a little bit late. It's because I didn't have a fucking system. Like I was, I was editing on an older version of my my gear and stuff. So apologies for the delay. But um, yeah. So you've lost count of D and D. All right. What else have you been watching? No, you go first, and I'll, I'll somehow make a count of it. I just had another sip of concrete, so it's a bit hard. <laughs> Hang on. Fuck you now. It's like a soup. Okay. I should have a goddamn cob loaf with it. Well, <laughs> I watched Midnight Mass. Right. Because, did, were you laughing at my cob loaf joke? No, I actually opened Letterboxd and I saw your recent watch and I was like, I watched that too. What did you, which one, which one? You go first and I'll tell you. Okay. I might not say the one that I watched. That's all right. I'm, 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 we'll, we'll come back to it. Yeah, I watched Midnight Mass. I watched it for this show. But it is in my top five favorite shows of all time, um, which is hard because it's a miniseries. But 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 on the strength of that miniseries, I mean, pound for pound, some of the best storytelling I've ever seen. I'm so excited to talk about it on the show um, in a couple of weeks' time and, and have Leanne back on. I know she's a big fan. And just what what an amazing way to tell that story how how rich that world is that he creates um how specific it's an original piece of work um you know it plays into all the things that he loves about uh mike flanagan this is that he loves about storytelling um it, it had some moments in it where i i was literally shook to my very core um you know uh uh, uh you know I, I can't say any of them because i'm going to ruin it and then fuck up the episode but Addy will know the one I'm talking about. The scene where the chores are, with the chores are ball and the thing and the like, the whole and I'm like, why is it called Midnight Mass? And then some stuff happens and it's like, fuck me, this is it's it's the best. It's, it's, I recommend everybody go and see it. Uh, oh, sorry, um, uh, uh, watch it on Netflix or wherever you get it, um, and and listen to it before we do the episode. And there's also a really good um episode of the Scripted Park podcast that we talk about all the time um, with Al, uh, Al Horner, um, it, where he interviews Mike Flanagan about it, and, it, and it's really good. Um, it's uh, well worth your time. So yeah, watch Midnight Mash, smash through that pretty darn quickly. Um, I also watched one, two, and three of the Final Destinations, because I, uh, I was in Halloween mode, and that's all about Halloween stuff. The first one's quite boring. The third one's got um, a, a roller coaster at the start, which is pretty cool. Um, and it's also got Mary Elizabeth Winstead in it, who I, I, I quite like. She was um, Huntress in, in uh, Birds of Prey. But it's the second one. The second one has one of the most baller fucking openings. It's the, like the opening cataclysm that sort of gets foretold. And this young girl, who's the woman who plays JJ in um, Criminal Minds, any Criminal Minds fans out there. Um, can't remember her name. AJ Cook, I think her name is. Um, and uh, just this this opening crash sequence is fucking outstanding for a Halloween movie, and uh, and I dug that one the most. So they're they're pretty cool. The the thing I want to talk about is is going to be about the film, but it's also about the experience of it. I went and saw The Killer, which is David Fincher's new film with Michael Fassbender. It's based on a graphic novel, and it's basically yeah, it's 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 diary of a, a contract killer. Um, and it's exceptional. It's absolutely exceptional. It's my film of the year. Um, it's, it's, you know, right up there with, uh, um, Babylon or, uh, Oppenheimer. I just really love it. And, and it was so, it's so funny to see, um, a director 
as precise and methodical as Fincher tell a story about someone who is so precise and methodical about their occupation just happens to be contract killing. Fassbender is incredible. He doesn't blink almost the entire picture. Um, it doesn't hold your hand. It doesn't give anything away. Like the the moments of violence and the moments of, um, you know, uh, uh, action are really tight and they come out of nowhere. It's explosive. You know, it's not gratuitous. It's just like it happens and you kind of, you're taken aback by it. Like really, really powerful filmmaking. It'll be on Netflix on November 10th because it's a Netflix film, but they are doing a cinematic release. I recommend going and seeing it at the cinema. The um, sound design is incredible. The way that sound encroaches in on this guy's kind of Zen-like mentality about being a, being a hitman um, and in a really fun way. And it, it, you know, creates a lot of really interesting transitions. Um, and also the score, uh, Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross's score is, I mean, a copy beat. Those guys are just two, two of the best composers working at the moment. Um, yeah, so I, I, I highly recommend that. But when I was at the cinema, I went and saw it at the Cameo Cinemas in Belgrave, which anybody who listens to this show knows is my local. Um, I don't have a local as in my local pub because I go to the pub. I go to the cinema and they're all lovely there. I, I know pretty much every one of them by name and I know the management. And um, if you follow me on Instagram, you saw that I put up a picture of a poster they've had to put up in their lobby um, or whatever you call it um, saying, you know, please Hang on. Actually, I'll read it verbatim. Hang on one second. So there's a sign in their lobby that says, Zero tolerance. Our staff have the right to be treated with respect and dignity at all times. Aggressive behavior uh, and, and abusive behavior will not be tolerated. We are here to help. Please treat others as you wish to be treated. When Upon asking the manager there why this is up, why they have this sign up in the lobby, they're saying that increasingly they are having more and more of their staff, particularly the younger members of their staff, because it's a teenager's kind of job, you know, working weekends and nights and stuff, being abused and physically threatened, um, you know, for, for being not fast enough or for um, that they run out of fucking chuck tops of flavor that the person likes and all that kind of stuff. I understand that sometimes life gets us down, and we don't really know what to make of things and, and, and emotions can run high. But if you're taking that shit energy into a place where young people are just trying to work, you know, the way that kids need to or anybody really, that place is just trying to operate as a cinema, which is fucking hard enough in this in this um, uh, 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 economy and in this industry. Um and, and they're all really lovely there as well. If you're taking all your horse shit in there and dumping it on them, you're a fucking villain. And 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 pray to God you don't do it with me in earshot. Um, because it's just like, why would you want to treat people like that? It, it, it's obviously not about them. It's about whatever's going on with you. And to, to put that on a stranger is is absolutely abhorrent. And and if anybody's listening who has ever behaved that way in, in to people in the service industry or anybody really, you can stop listening to this podcast. You're fired from this podcast because that's that's just not that's not how I, I think we should conduct ourselves as human beings with one another. Like we're all in it together. It's it's the same fucking planet. Let's just kind of make it work. There's a lot bigger things going on that they've run out of fucking chalk mint chalk tops. You you absolute loser. So just wanted to you know. In solidarity with my people, um, my homies down at uh, at the Cameo Cinema, who I really love. You know, I had my 40th there and they were so great about it. And, and they, they all know me now, like I'm real regular there. And they're just, they couldn't be nicer. Um, and I understand, you know, sometimes they, they 
struggle when it's busy or whatever, like any business does, but there's no, absolutely no reason to behave that way. Um, so yeah, please be kind out there to anybody you know, in, in the service industry or anybody that you happen to meet. Um, you never know what's going on for them or, or you know, and you don't need to bring your shit to, to uh, an interaction that has nothing to do with you really, you know? Um, but yeah, so sorry, I didn't mean to soapbox. I know I do that on this podcast sometimes. I was just editing the Hill House episode and I realized I was talking about being a vegan and that I don't understand eating animals. That's not a soapbox either. That's just me talking about how I feel about it. If you want to do it, that's, you know, I'm not judging you and in any way at all. Everybody can make up their own mind. But as far as, you know, attacking people, while they're trying to do their job, if they're being as courteous and 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 consistent with services they possibly can be at that time, there's I, I don't there isn't a, an excuse for that. Um, there you don't have a side in that argument. I don't care what the situation is, um, unless they call you something horrible or something like you know like whatever. But yeah, I feel, I just feel like I wanted to for my friends for my pals down at the cameo. So yeah, sorry sorry about the rant, but do go and see the killer as well. It's awesome. Oh, so. Uh, talking about the the vegan rant last episode, that actually stuck with me. So you have nothing to apologize for. It stuck with you. Yeah, I've been thinking about it every every single day since. Oh really? Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. Look, you know, I'm not trying to recruit anybody. <laughs> I'm, I'm s- I mean, we do. People do think it's a bit of a cult sometimes, but yeah, it was just because we were talking about the cats being killed in Hill House and how that was the hardest part for me. It's just you know, there's there's. My brain just works that way. And if yours doesn't, that's totally cool. But if you've taken a message and you did maybe decide to eat a little bit less meat because of that, then that's great. There's a few more animals have been been saved on planet Earth, um, which is a beautiful thing. However, it does mean that you have to drink smoothies that have the consistency of clag. Clag's a type of glue. Anyway, what have you been watching, my friend? Yeah. I'll start with the one you forgot. Mm. Pray. Mm-hmm. Fuck, it really is a thick smoothie. Um, okay, I'm all right. It's done now, finished. Actually, it's not done. There's about fucking three quarts of it left, but it's all stuck to the sides. Also, just to just to be clear, none of this is actual dick jokes. He's actually drinking a smoothie. That's I'm big. actually drinking a smoothie. None of it's gobby, gobby, gobby. It's not happening. Um, gobby, gobby, gobby. Come on, Regs. What are we at? 15 minutes into the into the episode. Ah, <sighs> gobby, gobby, gobby. Okay. Yeah, I just, someone mentioned it. I can't remember who it was. Yeah, no, it was, I was listening to the Mike Flanagan's interview on um, on Script Apart about uh, um, Midnight Mass because he was talking about what Dan Trachtenberg did with the Predator series because he was like, you know, what what franchise would you want to work in? And he goes, I've got a really good pitch for Nightmare on Elm Street or I'd like to maybe do an alien movie but have it disconnected from everything the way that Prey is. And I was like, I'm going to fucking peep that again. I haven't watched that since it came out. And fuck, it is. It absolutely rules. Absolutely rules. Yeah, it's it's epic. I watched I watched Nope, who which was like it was in my top five last year or top ten at mm-hmm. least. And I watched Prey right after it because I was in the I was in the Halloween alien mood. Yeah, it's it's cool because you kind of I've been skirting certain stuff because it is Halloween. I'm like, oh no, that kind of works. Even I, I watched um, The Mask as well with some friends of mine came around last night for dinner and we just wanted to watch something low stakes and put on the mask with Jim Carrey. That's kind of Halloweenish as well. There's masks and supernatural shit involved. Yeah. That's awesome. When did you watch Prey? I watched Prey let me just, let me check. Oh no, I didn't log it. But I watched it on the oh, tw- I watched it like two days ago. 
That's pretty weird that we both watch the same. Yeah, I'll do it. in a couple of weeks of each other. It's not though. Like we've done that before. <laughs> we are we are simpatico, yeah, absolutely. But yeah, I need a refresher after Barbarian, which was it made me scream in the best yeah, way. Yeah, right. I'm, I haven't watched it yet. I'm I'm, I'm going to get on it. I've, I've only heard good things. But yeah, it's, after Skin and Rank, I didn't I didn't know if I if I would ever be scared of like mm. things because. I still don't have the courage to like rewatch scenes of that film because it just it's too much. But I totally get it. But yeah, um, oh, like Talk to Me is a good one, but Talk to Me is also like a little bit more on the gore side. Mm-hmm. It's like gore connected with supernatural stuff. It's also really good, very well made. Yeah. But yeah, Barbarian was it was everything I needed in the most fucked up way possible. <laughs> I gotta peep it. It's um the younger Skarsgård, the one who played Pennywise. Yes. Yep. All right. I'm, I'm gonna check it out tonight. I've got I've got tonight off, so I'll um I'll watch that. Or maybe I'll maybe I'll um convince my my sister-in-law to watch it tomorrow night and says Psycho because she was keen on seeing Psycho. But uh, sorry. And what was the other end? Uh, I watched Killers of the Flower Moon. Dude, Martin Scorsese, Martin Scorsese, Martin Scorsese. How was it? It's maybe his last film ever made. Maybe that's this one. He's, he's he's currently working on another one with Leo. Is he? Shit. Yeah. No, he's producing. Is he? Okay. Yeah. I don't know. He said. Is that, it a good one to go out on? Um. As uh, it's 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 his like it's his retelling of a story. So yeah, I I didn't love it, but that's that's me with almost every Scorsese movie. It's just it's it's not my thing, but yeah, it's it's three hours and forty six minutes long with impeccable cinematography. And do you know who the cinematographer was? I'm just going to look it up, but just so you know off the top of your head, I ha- I have it open, so I I can look. It oh, up. okay. Sorry, right. dead air on a podcast is good. Oh, Eric yep. Roth wrote it, no fucking doubt. Cinematographer is ooh, Rodrigo Rodrigo. Um, Pritu. I don't... Letterbox doesn't have that for some reason. Pritu. Oh, he was the DP on... Oh, holy shit. Listen listen to this guy's fucking... Backlog? Um, his backlog, okay. So, well, he was... Wow. Yeah, he was this director of photography on Amoros Peros, which was um, uh, Alejandro Inaritu's first film, uh, first feature film, which is an incredible film. It's called... It's uh, loosely translated. I think it means Love's a Bitch. Okay, so Frida, eight mile, twenty fifth hour, twenty one grams. So he's worked a lot with um, Inaritu, uh, Brokeback Mountain, um, uh, Babel, as in the Tower of Babel, State of Play, uh, Water for Elephants. We bought a zoo, Argo. I uh, did some things for Lana Del Rey, Wolf of Wall Street, um, Midsummer's Dream. Oh, he's worked on Silence, Passengers. The Putin interviews, which is interesting. Uh, he was uh, on the Irishman. He did a bunch of Taylor Swift pictures, and he did Kills in the Flower Moon and motherfucking Barbie. Yeah, yeah. What a what a what an amazing um what an amazing DP and what a, what a varied uh what a varied um catalog of films. Incredible. Yeah, I'm gonna see it. I just didn't have. Like the other night, I, I, t- I took the day off work. And I was like, I need to just 
get into my zone. And I was going to go and see Serpico at the cameo, but they changed the date of it because I was doing a retro of Serpico with Al Pacino. And so I was like, I'll just go and see The Killer then because it was only two hours as opposed to three hours and 40 minutes. And I was, that's just, a, that's a day. you got to put a day aside. Yeah, especially with the subject matter that this one has. Yeah, it's, it, it can be shorter. Like this would have been like a really, a really good two hour film. Because the thing is, it's three hours and 46 minutes long. But at the end of it, you're like, at least hours, like, there was still so much to there was still so much story to to tell and and it felt like an incomplete story like it like there were parts where they started to pick up and then it would just drag and it happens more than once but maybe maybe it's just me or maybe it's just the timing of how I watched it yeah. Yeah, it might be experiential for sure. Um, well, yeah, it's 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 definitely a to do. I have Apple TV, which so it will come out on that eventually. But if I can get to the cinema before, then I I absolutely will. Um, was there anything else that you were watching? Uh, actually, it was. It was. Oh shit! Yeah. So that was just films because I watch TV shows too. Mm-hmm. Um. What you been seeing? I watched The Legend of Vox Machina again. How many times through is that? Um, oh god, it's like throughout like season one and season two, it's like five. But this time, it, it, I have changed the list of my top five shows of all time, and Box Machina is a five. Really? Okay. Yeah. Have you watched that more than you've watched normal people? No, fuck no. No. Okay. I was just checking. Don't have me. You know. <laughs> no, because I, I watched. I watched it recent. Like the last time I watched it. Well, the last time I watched uh, Walks Machina, like at the end of season two, I was like, man, I love these characters. And I was like, I love these people too. I was like, that's it. Like, I, I don't need more than that. That's that's the best type of stuff to, to, to when you dig who the creators are as well as digging the show. Sometimes that's not the case. Sometimes the creators of things are shit heaps. So sure. Um, yeah, awesome. And, and, and like, what did it push out of place? That was in five. I don't know. Maybe it was just watching season one and two in like one go. And just like, because I've watched clippings of like the first campaign. I don't recommend watching the first campaign because they jump from a home game to like doing it live stream. And like the story is all fucked up because you don't know what's happened before. And but yeah, it's like I love I love these characters I love the people who created these characters and I love the characters they create after this campaign and like this story so that that, that was that was all I needed it's like fuck man like I I, I put out Castlevania and I, I put in a walk mark and it just felt right I was like yeah cycle them in and out all you want I do that with my top five favorite movies every day of the week um cool was it was there anything else TV yeah I, I finished that the fall of house Usher. Okay, shush. I've only finished the first two episodes. Oh, wait, you watched the first two? How good is Bruce Greenwood? Oh, he's fantastic. He's absolutely fantastic, yeah. I mean, he's he's always great, but yeah. in this role particularly, yeah. Um. So, yeah, that will eventually we'll do that for sure. We'll, we'll have to do an episode on that, like, in December or something, yeah. And uh, I've been watching Loki because it came out. And I was, I was still scared because it had the, you know, something big will happen. 
and then something big will happen in episode four, and then you know, watch a movie that comes out in six years to 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 follow. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, we haven't even written it yet. But um, yeah, like it's it's going good. I don't. Jonathan Majors is is in it. He's he's in the show for three episodes. That might be a turnoff for a lot of people. I was going to say, like, I rewatched Creed the other night because I needed a break from all the fucking murders and shit that I'd and vampirisms and all kinds of fucking accidents and people getting their heads chopped off and their bums cleaved in half and their penises gobbled. Um, it's pornography, really. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, th- I wanted to watch Creed because I had training in the morning and I was like, I'm going to get pumped up because I, I really like Creed 3. It's, it's, that's in my top 10 of this year. And I, I really like Jonathan Majors. I think he's an absolutely exceptional actor, but I don't know what the details of that situation are and if they are what they are purported to be. He's, he's a very violent man in, you know, in a horrible way. Is, and, and, and I'm watching it going, eek! Like, I'm, I, should I... Maybe I shouldn't like this. I don't know. It's that artist art kind of... Yeah, thing I can. You, the separate thing that people can do really easily that I struggle with, you know? Like, I can put on Thriller and be like, this is an amazing album, but fuck. I feel... You, you know what I mean? Like, it just... It's it like things time... Things change over time. Yeah. You know, words, opinions, you know, the the, the value of things. Like, and, and sometimes I find myself cringing. I can't, I can't go back and watch Horrible Bosses or one of my favorite movies of all time, which is Baby Driver, because it's an amazing film with amazing performances. I just wish that the, the two main leads of that film weren't abusers yeah who's the abuser in um horrible bosses oh um uh, it's kevin stacy kevin spacey that's right. kevin, Is he in Hor- kevin okay spacey, right i know yeah. he's in baby driver i didn't realize it yeah yeah i mean i think the rule with kevin spacey films is you're allowed to watch them if he dies so yeah spoilers baby drivers all right american beauties all right um a couple other ones but yeah everything else you got to kind of smooth over you know what i'm saying but as far as like the loki the show like get apart from all that the controversy and the people involved are, are you enjoying the program i i am and as far as episode four goes i'm not gonna spoil because you know mcu shows of three like six six episodes so episode four has to be the big explosion and then episode six is oh wait wait till like fucking 10 years so that you can understand what this was Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah. A, a lot of th- um, throwing what they call throwing the ball for another movie to catch. Yeah, um, it's funny. Loki seems to be the one that's like universally liked as a, as a show. Like people, when I tell them my favorite Hawkeye, they're like, "What are you fucking high?" Loki's the best, but yeah, I don't know. Kiyo uh, Kwan, who was in the first episode, has been in the show throughout at least until episode four. That's a big win. Um, I mean, put him in anything, mate. Fucking, I still make the pitch that they should make him uh, like an Indiana Jones sequel with Freebie Waller Bridges' character Helena taking over the mantle, and he he ends up being her sidekick, or he could take it over. Fuck, I don't give a shit. Just make more of them. Don't call it Indiana Jones. Just call it. He wouldn't be called Short Round anymore. That that's he'd be called something else. But you know what I'm saying? Like, it, it, you know, do that. And he's such an amazing actor. Yeah, it's just. Just there's one part where he just he comes out of like a hallway just screaming, We're all gonna die, we're all gonna die, and it's amazing. I can I can hear it. Yeah. I can actually hear it, yeah. Awesome. 
Well, um, shall we get into some um, some nude nude some nude? What the fuck? <laughs> shall we get into some nude? A banana nude. Um, too much smoothie for you, my friend. <laughs> too much smoothie. It did have a banana in it, and was uh, I'm 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 pretty sure that was the culprit. The banana was too big. It was too big for the amount of liquid that was in the smoothie. So it was like drinking a uh, just a banana. I have one more. <sighs> I have one more. Okay, one more. Oh, cool. Yeah, now go for it. I just I thought you were done. Um, I've been watching Gen V, which I think is the last. Oh yeah. Yeah, like the trailers of that of that show made me real worried because it was it was it was it was marketed to be a parody on the x-men okay. and that's a very shitty route to go because uh, everything that comes with the x-men is very real to a lot of people and you can't one of them is on this podcast yep <laughs> <laughs> and you can't parody that shit like if you if you do that you're just a shitty person because i'm i'm sorry you are no i tend to agree yeah um but yeah, that not only, and I was wrong, like first three episodes, it was like, okay, cool. So it's not a parody. And then episode seven rolls around, and which is, I guess, is the penultimate episode of the season. Um, and I go, shit, not only is this a parody in the, in the best way possible of the X-Men, it's also the rise of the brotherhood, which fucks up the universe. Right. Okay. Fuck, it fucks up the universe as in the, the, the boys universe? universe no, the boys the universe. universe. Okay, all right. Well, I guess we'll see. I mean, the boys season four, four? Yeah. will be out next year, I think, um, if the writer strike is, is over. I guess the actor, the actor strikes more the point, but um, it, but it's a good show. You like it? Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a good show. It's a, it's a good break from the, the very predictable uh, formula that the boys uses, which is... Three episodes of good shit in the beginning, and then like three episodes more of just filler with five minutes of each episode being actually uh, enhancing the plot. And if you binge, if you binge season one, season two, season three, it gets very repetitive. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. I understand that. Um, cool. All right. Well, there you go, folks. There's, there's a few. Um, tidbits and little portions there you can go and check out check out the v and vax machina and what did i say wrong that's not it vox machina vax vacuum cleaners check them out <laughs> what's it called vox machina <laughs> it's called the legend of vox machina and i love i love what you did because there are two characters names vax and vex who are twins and they fuck up the names every time and you did that without okay. knowing them and i did it without even knowing a single thing or having seen an episode at all amazing well um Let's get into some nerd news. We've got a few interesting bits and pieces to talk about. Um, in the do you, do you want to do you, do you? Let's do nerd news. <laughs> I love it when you do that. I love it so much. So here is the. The nerd news. We say nerd news. It's just interesting shit that I saw on Instagram, really. Um, uh, uh, and, and all of it is grain of salt kind of thing, too, I've re- realized. Um, uh, so I will cite sources, though. According to insiders Daniel RPK and... <laughs> I'm sorry, I didn't... I haven't read this before. <laughs> Hang on a minute. Okay. 
According to insiders Daniel RPK and can we get some toast? <laughs> Who the fuck are they? <laughs> Apparently there's some sort of entertainment news group called Can We Get Some Toast? CWGST. Ha, <sighs> and and Daniel RPK, can we get some toast? That's absolutely what it says. Anyway, Sorry, folks. I just... I hadn't read the caption yet. I just read the the headline. Okay. The MCU's Spider-Man 4 is eyeing to start production late 2024. um, And it will be part of uh, the Phase 6 of of the Marvel films, uh, which is uh, set to begin in 2026. Zendaya, uh, Tom Holland, and director John Watts are all expected to return. What do you reckon? I don't know if that's true. Yeah, I don't know if that's true either. I mean, I mean, like I said, take a grain of salt. If if the source that we're citing is called "Can We Get Some Toast," which sounds like a place where you go to have brunch and all they serve is toast, but I don't know if it is true. I I just like I reckon remove everybody but Tom Holland and just do a solo Batman. Story now that he's on his own in New York, living the Peter Parker lifestyle, and you know, have him work at the Daily Bugle or the Daily Planet or whatever. What are you laughing at? <laughs> you want to get some toast? No, he's gonna make a good Batman picture. Like, yeah, don't want his Batman's good. Did I? Yeah. Fuck, I'm getting old, man. The synapses are not firing. <laughs> Just sorry. make us make a good Batman picture with Tom Holland, and that you'd have to make a really small suit and a very tiny Batmobile. He's a little dude. Um, sorry, you did Spider-Man you picture, did that obviously. as small, and I was confused where we were going with that. Well, it, depend, it depends on where you are, size wise, you know, on the scale. My point is, I just feel like if you if you were to make it, you know, completely solo, or make it solo, and then at the end of it, you motherfucking introduce somebody else who we might want to see on screen from the live actions. You know what I'm saying? I've a pitch for that. You know what I'm saying? I've been pitching that for a long time. I know, I know. But anyway, that that might that may or may not happen. Speaking of um, Tom Holland in Batman, or not, apparently Matt Reeves is being sued for stealing the story from the Batman. Reeves and Warner Brothers are officially being sued for allegedly stealing the story for the uh, story idea um, from acclaimed Batman writer and penciler Quick Qu- Quick Fuck Off, acclaimed Batman writer and penciler. Chris um, Wozniak, I think is how you pronounce that. Wozniak worked for DC Comics where he penned a treatment uh, that he pointedly claims was ripped off by the studio. It went unpublished, uh, but the email but was emailed to Batman movie producer Michael Uslan in 2008, according to Wozniak, as an idea for a film. Um, he, he actually said, Warner Brothers and DC attorneys are embarrassingly still making the same threats they were when we started with this. Uh, I thought it was, I was clear from the start. We're here for the long haul. We're going to trial. Holy shit. I don't reckon anything because I don't know much about that. Yeah, it's true. We have no insight. I just, it was like, he doesn't seem, when you hear Matt Reeves talk, he doesn't seem like the kind of guy who would pull from that. Like he completely got rid of Ben Affleck's script. Like when they were going to do that, you know, that was kind of the idea at first before they got Pat Pat in and all that. It was going to be Batfleck and... They were going to make that picture, but to start from scratch, but then take an idea from 2008. Yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe it's just a, one of those happenstance kind of things. 
but whatever. Um, Mission Impossible 8, uh, Dead Reckoning Part 2, um, it won't be called that anymore, it's going to change its title, has been delayed until 2025. Um, not really sure why. I'm assuming it's probably because of the strike. Yeah. Um, they haven't... Or maybe they need time to re-kind re of jig things. Yeah, because they haven't shot it yet. They must have shot some of it, surely. Yeah, some of it, surely, because the way it ends is, yeah. Some of it might be shot, but again, it, the writer's strike was up for like, what, four months? Mm, yeah. And Longer even, I think. It was longer than that. Yeah, and the effects of that we'll see in the next two years. Yeah, things will either get really good or really bad. I'm not, I'm not, not sure, but I'm, I'm sort of hopeful. Um, speaking of Tom Cruise, though, um, this is pretty cool. Um, he sent Timothy Charmelay an email with a list of experts for stunt training, um, being that Charmelay is in Dune and 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 you know could could is on the precipice of being an action star, um, or has that has the possibility to be if he wants to. Um, yeah, Tom Cruise sent him an email in which he said, in old Hollywood, uh, you would get dance training and fight training. Nobody holds you to that standard anymore. It's up to you. That's a fucking baller move. Like to be, to be pro one of the last traditional, um, uh, uh, action movie stars. And to say that to a younger person is, um, yeah, I know Tom Cruise is a bit of a whatever about people are weird about him sometimes. You got to respect the craft, you know. If you don't respect his craft, at least respect the the love and uh, the fucking dedication he has for his work. Yeah, yeah, and to do things like that, and he's right. It's you know you don't. I always remember the um the uh, Iron Fist series on Netflix. It was rushed into production so quickly and they didn't hire someone who was a martial artist. They just hired some dude from Game of Thrones. He had like three weeks to learn his fight scenes. I'm like, well, what the fuck? You know what I mean? Like it doesn't seem to, that that part of it doesn't seem to be as important. So I, I like the fact that he's like, you got to go out and get it. You got to go out and find the people who will teach you how to do this stuff, you know? And finally, this one's for you, my good friend. Matthew Vaughn, you know the Matthew Vaughns? He's got a picture coming out. Um, can't remember what it's called. Uh, something or other. Um, but uh, he, he's also the director of the the Kingsman Pictures. During an interview with the Happy, Sad, and Confused podcast, director Matthew Vaughan revealed his details for a scrapped Superman trilogy that he initially pitched to Warner Brothers with acclaimed comic writer Mark Miller. Vaughan said, "Mark and I sat down and plotted three films in the uh." A three-film trilogy. That th saying a three-film trilogy is 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 um, an oxymoron. But anyway, pitched it to Warner Brothers before Man of Steel. We pitched uh, how to do a trilogy of Superman movies, and Waters said they weren't interested. That's as far as it went. Um, and then he says, uh, "Our big idea was that Krypton didn't blow up. It does eventually." Um, uh, uh, with Superman's grown up, suddenly there's a mass exodus and all, all hell breaks loose. So it's kind of, it sounds a little bit like um, the Dark Knight 3, honestly. Um, and who was the main villain? Brainiac, Zod, and Luther. Interesting. I don't think he's the director for it. I think he's 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 too, he's too bombastic. Like you need somebody who's a classicist like Richard Donner to really kill it, you know? Or, fuck it, because I'll say it. 
Wes Anderson. Good to be colourful. It'd be fucking colourful if nothing else, you know what I mean? Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, it's like nice and cool to hear about the what ifs and the maybes. Yeah, man. Um, especially when it comes to Superman, you know, now that we're getting a new one. Are we? Yeah. Honestly, don't know. Last week we were talking about Kurt Russell being cast as Jor-El. I'm still on that train, man. Fucking Kurt Russell! Make it happen. Speaking of Kurt Russell, he's not in The Shining. Um, but you wait, know who wait, is? Wait, no. <laughs> Sorry. Did I detour too quickly? I did a sharp right turn <laughs> along the winding road to the Outlook Hotel? Yeah, because I just sent you something. You just sent me something. Is it nudes? I hope it's nudes. Oh, fuck my hole. Hang on. Oh, okay. Addy sent me a little sum-sum. Apparently... Uh, the Punisher showrunners and the Loki season two directors will handle MCU's Daredevil series. Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead are set to direct. With uh, Dario um, Scardapane, I think it is, Scardapane, um, to be the showrunner on Daredevil Born Again. This is the one they'd started filming and they're like, nah, that shit, fucking start again. That's yeah. bullshit. That's bullshit. You could do that. That's the equivalent of being in the middle of a math test completely fucking it up handing it into the teacher and the teacher's like you can do better and giving it to you again you know what i mean i have seen that happen that exactly oh really yeah i would leave the school apparently it won't be a continuation of the netflix series according to variety well that's i think it will be in the, the fact that it's got the same cast but i don't think they'll reference it yeah here's my thing it was never supposed to be a continuation. It was always supposed to be a reboot. I don't know why people are fucked up on this. Um, it's you know, it's called Born Again. <laughs> it's in the titles, pals. Also, I got bullied this week on Instagram for not watching Daredevil, so I'll have to start that soon. Who was the person who bullied you? It was it was like friendly bullying. I was in a group and I said I've never watched it. And everyone was just like, what, what, what? And then one of them posted a story on like the question thing that we have for our podcast. is saying, what would you say to someone who hasn't watched Daredevil yet? I would say that person is in charge of their own life and mind your fucking business is what I would say. I hate this this weird militant thing around TV. Um, uh, Ivan Decker, the, the Canadian comedian, has a great joke about it when he's talking about, you know, people get really crazy. Like, have you watched all The Walking Dead? Uh, no, I haven't. Well, you need to. You know, you got to watch all 10 seasons by tomorrow. I'm your friend. You know, <laughs> like, it's calm the fuck down. I'll get to it or I won't. Or you like something and they're like, oh, that's terrible. Yeah, but I can like it. It's all right. I'm not going to come to your house and force you to watch the DVDs. Relax, everybody. Just relax. Can we relax and take a trip to the mountains where we will be alone inside of a fucking haunted ass hotel for a little bit of time? Could we do that now? Wonderful. It's The Shining, everybody, from 1979, I think it was, or was it 80s? Hang on, wait yeah, a second. Maybe was, I should do a little research. It was 79, but everybody says it's the 80s. It, it really does. Well, that's, you know, that's a perfectly good place to start. Um, to shart. That's a perfectly good place to shart. Um, yeah, 1980 right, it was. We're taking, oh, okay. So it was definitely 1980, based on the Stephen King book, obviously. Um, uh, directed by Stanley Kubrick, Stan the Man, gone too soon. Um, I know he died a long time ago, but it was still too soon at the time. Um, Jack Nicholson, Shelley Duvall, uh, Scatman Carruthers, um, Danny Lloyd played Danny. Uh, just a, a, a fantastic um, a, a cast. 
talking about um, when it was made. What's funny? It's because I said Scatman, isn't no, it? No, 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 no. What have I done now? <laughs> There's nothing wrong. It's just reminding me of something because you said gone too soon, but then you said, I know he died a while ago, but... And then it reminded, <laughs> reminded me of the of the episode in Ted Lasso in season two where Jamie goes on this on this <laughs> news channel and he says, rest in peace for George, to George Harrison. And the news guy says, he's been dead a long while. He's like, I just got to know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I only just found out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm Fucking sorry. Ted Lasso Oh god. Go and check out our Ted Lasso episode, everybody, by the way. Um It was yeah, it's such a good show. Uh yes, Stanley Kubrick did did pass too soon. Um, but uh, that's not what we we're talking about. D- thinking about the time period, it it does feel kind of seventies ish. It would have been shot in the seventies. Um, but it was released in nineteen eighty. Uh, Stanley Kubrick does tend to truncate his 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 shooting schedules. Um, but just thinking about it, because it's so removed from time, when you watch it, it doesn't, it ekes different periods. Like it kind of, it, it's a bit like this, but it's also a bit like this. And then the geography of the places is, is kind of like, not the geography, sorry, the, um, the, the design of everything kind of feels like it should fit in the 70s. But they see some other stuff that's kind of 50s-ish. And then the Overlook itself is quite uh, like gothic in terms of its architecture. And it's got the maze and everything. Um, what, what is your, ex- oh, this is sort of the question I like to start with. What is your experience with this film? Because or did you find this after Dr. Sleep? Cause it's Dr. Sleep is a spiritual sequel in only to this film. It has the DNA of this movie, but it's actually a sequel to the, the original book. It's not a sequel to this film. Um, you know, however, in, in, in the book, the overlook explodes, whereas, you know, uh, and in Doctor Sleep, it's it's not there anymore, but they they've kind of changed it. So it's a kind of mix and match from the two is what Mike Flanagan did. How did, what order did you see these in? I got to know what the Shining was with Doctor Sleep. I'm not gonna not gonna be like, oh, I was born in the seventies and I watch it then. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Clearly not. It's uh, it's a bit of a giveaway considering you wouldn't have even been born. So we don't know that. <laughs> What? That's no. true. This might be a different life of yours. This might be number three or four. You have no idea. Oh, Maybe you were at the Overlook. You've always yeah. been there. Yeah. Are we going into Midnight Mass territory now? <laughs> yeah, right. Okay. Fucking weird vampire dude. Right. Um. So I watched the trailer for Doctor Sleep and I was like, I have to watch that. Mm. And I watched and then I got to know there was a sequel to The Shining. Um, so I watched The Shining. It was fun. Didn't quite understand it. There was Doctor Sleep. I was like, huh? Maybe if I go back, I'll understand more. And then I did, mm. and I understood more. I, I feel like you can watch Doctor Sleep and have it. It does live autonomously in in a sense. Like there's some stuff that you will probably threads correct, or if you just read the book of The Shining, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the best, like way to describe what the difference between those two sensibilities are and the two films are is that Stephen King said it best. The, you know, he was asked, what did you think of Kubrick's? And they, they famously had a lot of back and forth, you know, fracas yeah. about it in, and, 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 you know, changing of things. And the, the, the character of Jack is supposed to be quite sympathetic 
you know, even though he is an alcoholic, he's, he's, he's sober at the beginning of that film. He has been for a while. It's when they're like, oh, we lock all the booze up, you know, of, of a nighttime. Uh, you know, we lock all the booze up during the closed periods, you know, when it's winter. And he's like, that's all right. We don't drink. Um, saying, you know, him and Shelley Duvall's character. Um, it's, you know, it, and, and he, he hurt his son, you know, and he's when he's talking to the barman who isn't actually there is either a figment of his imagination or is in fact a ghost. Um, and there's argument for both. When he's saying, he's like, I just kind of, he got the shit everywhere and I yanked him a bit hard and it wasn't, I didn't mean it, you know, like, but he hasn't found, and Jack's so kind of unlikable, Jack Nicholson, this is, he's so antagonistic immediately. He's kind of, uh, smug and self-satisfied in the interview as well. You know, that first interview. And he's like, oh, well, it's going to be okay. And the wife's going to love it. And blah, blah. You, you're kind of, you're like, I don't believe a fucking word you're saying. Whereas the character of Jack in the book and, and in the Steve Webber-led miniseries that's, that King was much more happy with, he is much more sympathetic. He does fight the demons a lot harder. Um, and, and, and in interviews, when asked about it, he... King said of Kubrick's interpretation, it's cold. Yeah. It is cold. And he means that literally and figurative. Like, like it is emotionally cold. At the end of it, the boiler blows up and kills Jack. He he freezes to death in the maze in, in, in Kubrick's version. And that's a difference. There is absolutely... And I'm not saying this is a knock on The Shining either. I think The Shining is, is as close to a perfect picture as you're going to get. But if you were thinking about what, what it, where it came from... Yeah, the adaptation It's emotional. Process. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's not, it's not, it might be there in spirit in terms of what the story is, but the emotional um, uh, warmth and, and humanity of it is, is stripped before you even start. Um, so that's, 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 you know, interesting in terms of adaptations. Yeah. I have a weird, I have like a weird take with The Shining, which is I kind of like this version of Jack. I haven't seen the miniseries. So I don't know Never any mind. other interaction. Yeah. Uh, but I, I do know that in the book, he's very sympathetic and that like him, him being absorbed by the hotel is, is, is a horrific thing. But I feel like, mm. I feel like when we start off with him not being likable, the hotel absorbing him is, is much more, much more of a, well, I guess it was bound to happen. Kind of situation, right? Mm. He's you know he's susceptible to it because he's 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 fragile emotionally and psychically. Absolutely, and like it it's it's very weird how I don't know if you feel about I don't know how you, like you'll feel about this, but I feel like the Overlook Hotel is very much like Hill House. It is, yeah. It's 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 not necessarily a specific. It's not yeah. spirit or specter. It is. It is. Yeah. It's a poltergeist that is that is controlling the household. Absolutely. Like it's 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 not evil in the evil sense. It's just there, and it will be there. Yeah. And it's it's you and how you affect it that will that will like seal your fate to it. I I I, fuck, I forget this character's name every fucking time. I forgot it in the Doctor Sleep episode as well. So who's who's the man that? That dances every time when he's shining. The um oh, hang on, I forget too. Wait one second, I've got it pulled up. Dick, Dick Halloran. Yep. 
like Dick Heller in, in The Shining says that the that the hotel shines too, right? So it's it's how you affect it, and like there part like when he's when he's walking in the hallway and he goes inside the ballroom, and he see and he sees the bar. You're right. There that there's um. There's argument to be of both. Either either he is relapsing or, you know, there there goes to helping him relapse. But nonetheless, he is relapsing, right? I feel like in a in a movie that's that's easier to to do if you start off with this character being so fragile. Like even even in the interview, you like you get the feeling that this person has, like. Live, like this person is living in a delusion of everything's going to be okay because like he can't fathom the idea of not being okay mm. right and you know in in like most horror movies when you have a family you know the 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 father is the one who like you know fights off the demons gets gets the family out like hill house and this is the total flip on that like this is this is the end and the and the eventual trauma that that this is the beginning this is the beginning of the trauma that that Dan will suffer for most of his life yeah and it's yeah. it's the end of the innocence that that his life sort of had like there's this there's this very cool philosophy it's it's not even a philosophy it's just like a it's a very cool thing that I heard somewhere that I'm going to say because I don't know where it came from. Okay. <laughs> that um, there are three the deaths that happen in a person's life. One is death of uh, one is death of innocence. The other is death of morality, and the third is death of body, which is right. Here. Yeah. And he just he just uh, pointed to a tattoo he has on himself. Yeah, those things shape the way you you are as a human, like. If your innocence dies late, that shapes you. If your innocence dies early, that shapes you. No, that's that's such a beautiful way to put it. And 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 I think, um, coming back to what you said about, yeah, it, it normally is. It's it's the patriarch. It's the alpha who who is like, I will save you from the motherfucking shits and come with me and you know all that kind of stuff. And he is like a broken person. And Shelley Duvall's character is not the savior either. You know, she she is she is she screams behind that door. The here's Johnny. She is she's doing her best, but it's not. You know, protecting Danny is everything. But you know, she's not by no means a traditional hero either. You know, she doesn't strap the knife to her body and go after him. She's just trying to survive, um, which is interesting. the The other thing I, I I want to mention as well, you know, saying that, that you know the, the three the three sort of deaths of of self. The other one is death of ego. And and ego is 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 driven in Freud's philosophy. It was driven by the libido, but that's you know that's very particular. I feel like it's it's more ego is when everything you divine as yourself is tested. Jack is trying to be a writer, though unsuccessful. Like he's like I'm going to do this, but it's not the you know just hit the fact that he's cost. Constantly typing, um, you know, all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. He's not a good writer. He can't write, um, and that's that's part of the death of his ego. It's why when the the house takes him over, it happens so quickly. 
in in comes um, what's the wife's name? I keep saying Shelley Duvall because that's the actress, but um, I will I'll, I'll look it up. I'm sure I've got it up as well. It's so silly. I just watched the picture. Wendy, she comes in and she's like, "Get any writing done today, hun?" Like I love her voice. Like she played um, uh, uh, Olive Oil in the Popeye movie that Robert Altman directed, where Robin Williams played Popeye, and that was like universally panned and hated. I fucking love that movie. I think it's really good. But anyway. She's just got that really interesting high voice. And he's like, you know, every time you hear me typing and you come in here and you know, why don't you get the fuck out of here? Like that, that kind of, that's the ego. That's all ego. It's like, what I'm doing right now is more important than you. Um, and when that dies, when he realizes that uh, being sober um, is, is, it isn't the answer. You know, it, what what he wanted doesn't come from that and what a horrific feeling that must be to, to think that you have a problem, correct that and then realize it's not the problem at all. Um, I think that is a, a real uh, ego death um, uh, uh, for Jack's character that he, he it, like, makes it so much easier for him to turn. I just, I, I love the way that the, uh, the Overlook is shown. Like, I, I watched Hillos before I watched The Shining. But it was, that's what we get. Wouldn't have been that way though, right? He lost where it come before uh, Dr. Sleep. Would have come, yeah, it came out because he was writing Hill House while, uh, sorry, he was writing Dr. Sleep while he was working on Hill House. That's so that right. would have been released yeah. before that, yeah. But yeah, it was just the parallels were, were insane of the Overlook. Like, I remember, I remember like that, like when Jack goes into the into that room of like the two, 237. 237. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, maybe he cheated. <laughs> I don't know. But there, there, there is possibility of like everything. Do you mean with happened. the ghost or in another like, in another like, time? Like he like he did cheat in his past. Yeah, absolutely. There is right? absolutely no doubt in my mind that's the case, yeah. Because if not, then you like then that that happening doesn't doesn't quite make sense. Of like that being the the thing that's like haunting you in a way. Well, I mean that comes back to you know what I was talking about before with the, the ego death as well. Like, here's this beautiful woman. I know he's under the thrall of of the house of the Overlook at the time. Here's this beautiful woman who he you know doesn't know where she comes from, but she's she's naked and and you know lie uh, sorry lie the nubile. And he thinks I'm in for a win here, and he thinks he's he thinks it's on, and then he hugs her, and she turns into a, a decaying old woman. Like a man's masculinity is so defined by his ability to to be attractive to the sex that he is attracted to, whether it's you know men or women or otherwise. But that you know for for the male ego, that's a huge thing. And Jack, it doesn't have that anymore because he's with. This kind of this wallflower woman. Not saying that Shelley Duvall is not attractive; she is, but you know, by by the standard, you would be thinking comparatively. Um, you know, that's a huge thing. But then there's a scene that comes after that where you know, because the uh, Wendy's come down and be like, you know, someone grabbed Danny, someone in two three seven. You know, he's got bruises on his neck or whatever, and then he's like, I'll go and check it out, and he comes down and he's like, she's he's done it to himself. Does Jack know what just happened, or is it gone? You know, he's, he's he experienced that, and then that's that's gone again because that's kind of part of the thing that makes him crazy is that nothing connects. Yeah. When he's there, like he can't he you can't know, make sense of the things that's happening to him. 
Exactly. Yeah. There's no sense of time. Like we understand it because it tells you the audience is told when it is, but for them, it's kind of whatever. And I think kind of the mundanity of it as well, like when they arrive and he's, he's got these great like tracking shots on a dolly, like where it just follows people and you see the beautiful geography of the place. And and I understand that there's a, there's a documentary called two, uh, Room 237, which talks about all the little conspiracy theories that are going on inside of it. Like what all the angles mean and what all this means and what that means and the time on the clock every time you see it. And it's it's hinting that he directed the moon landing and all this stuff. But there is a weird geometry to it. Yeah, there's this conspiracy theory that he directed the moon landing because NASA went. <laughs> no, it's true though. It's, that's that's a that's a, a a really old conspiracy theory that Stanley Kubrick directed the moon landing because he borrowed lenses from NASA in order to shoot 2001, and oh, people were like, okay. the gambit for that was you have to come direct the moon landing. He did it on a backlot, and they actually never went to the moon. You. you don't open the door to that conspiracy theory because you'll just lose yourself in it or you'll have a conversation with someone that will be... It's like talking to a flat earther. Like, it's just... I have two friends who are flat earthers and they've done that in my D&D campaign and I cannot tell you how frustrating that is. Yeah, I mean, like, I'm, I'm all for people having their own opinions, but I, I, I don't know if it's contrarian or just ignorance. Like, I really don't know. Are you trying to be different or do you actually think this is like... The, the unit... <laughs> The universal proof around that not being the case is is astounding, and if you if you can't follow that, like I don't know. Anyway, fuck all that noise. The point is, is that that there's all this weird geometry to the to the place. As soon as everybody else is gone, like they arrive, they're a little early. It's like, oh, sorry, we kept you waiting. That's okay. We're able to have a little breakfast first, and then you know that kind of thing, and. It's real mundane or this is the cellar. This is where you're going to have the thing. And then Dick comes in, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm the chef. And do you like ice cream and all this like really normal stuff? And that conversation that they have together is, is great, you know, where, where he explains that, you know, you can hear things and, 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 and whatnot. I'll, I'll, I'll come back to that. But the geography of the hotel doesn't work. Like if you, if you break down where they keep, where they end up and stuff like that. But when he goes into the office... There's a window in the office, but it's at the center of the building. Shit like that, like none of it doesn't it doesn't connect the way that it should, and and, and it's not a mistake. Like Stanley Kubrick doesn't make mistakes; <laughs> he is he is pragmatic as fuck. They did that, you know the the fucking um, blood coming out of the elevated thing like fucking four times or something. You know, had to reset the whole thing each time. Um, you know, he's exacting. In, in 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 a like in a way that even David Fincher doesn't do, you know, really really specific, um, you know, says so that that kind of interesting shit going on, but it mostly happens after after they're gone, like the hallways that Danny's riding around, like he really he should end up in a circle, but he doesn't. He kind of takes two rights and a left, so he should end up back where he was, and then you see the little girls and whatnot. The scene with with Dick and young Danny where they're having the ice cream and he's talking to him about the shining, and Danny explains that it's it's um. Uh, it's actually a little boy who lives in his mouth. And he's like, can I see him? No, he hides when he's talking to the the um, psychothera- psychotherapist in the extended cut. And then he explained to him what, what The Shining is. And then later on when Danny retreats and it, and it ends up being Tony, who's like, you know, he's he's always there. Like Danny Danny's not here right now, that kind of thing. Um, that is, I'm kind of forget my point. <laughs> 
got so excited. It's okay. Talking about The Shining, I got completely lost in my... I, I fucked up my own narrative. What were we saying? Were you saying about... The when- mundane it is what I was talking yeah. about. Like it all, there's so much mundane shit that goes on in it that, that, that then is punctuated by these peculiarities. Yeah. And like, and then you're talking about how, like, when they have the, the shine conversation. Mm. It's the first time I've ever, I've ever seen like a superpower done that way. It was the first time I was like, it was the first time I saw that, and it was like, fuck, that's cool. <laughs> but also, like, it also is a is a horrible foreshadowing for something that happens later in the movie. Wait. Oh fuck. Where, yeah. It's so funny that we were talking about it on on uh, the last episode. Where this is a, like a horrifically horrible. Oh, it's not hor- horrifically horrible. Sorry, wait. Let me let me recheck. It's a very frightening film. Yes. You know, um, the uh, the music's doing a lot of work to it as well, but it's also like visually striking because Kubrick locks a camera off and just lets shit happen in front of you, and that's really scary. Like if you whip pan to a jump scare. You know, you're doing a lot of the work for the audience. If you leave a, lo- a camera locked off and have a weird, creepy old woman peek from out behind a shower curtain, I defy anyone not to have like, it's 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 the midnight mass thing. It's when the, the everybody in the church turns around. Sorry, we're going to ruin midnight mass for a second, everybody. Three, two, one. I'll, I'll put time codes in so you can skip this part. Good, yeah, skip skip out of this. But I, it's important to say because then Addy will know what I'm talking about. It's where everybody turns around and 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 there's the creature in the chausable. And you're like, all you can see is its eyes. And you're like, fuck me. Like I, that show, it was like when I were talking about Hill House, I had to turn a light on. Midnight Mass was like that too. Like it was lights on situation. And The Shining, <laughs> watching it at the cinema was incredible. Like just, just such a, a wonderful experience. But it was unsettling as fuck um, to feel that way. When you say... Um, superpower it's interesting because the shining is the title of the film and the book but it's not what the story is like the shining is it it becomes more so if you understand dr sleep because you realize that the hotel was actually feeding off of danny but it's just this kid who's got weird freaky powers like it doesn't come off as a superpower the way that it does in dr sleep like he doesn't have control of it it's just a fact um and even dick doesn't like dick doesn't have a, a real understanding. He's just what what would be termed, you know, if you were to look at the behavior as intuitions. This heightened intuitions is what a lot of people have called it. Yeah, or um, empathy, like like being able to empathically oh, feel yeah. other people's feelings, you know, that kind of thing. Which is which is a totally, you know, a legitimate form of human expression is 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 you know people being empathic and feeling. It's why sometimes when you're talking to someone, you're like, this is all fake. You know, or or you you just feel someone else's energy, or what you know, like it's just people. Some people are more susceptible to it than others, but this comes with the added, you know, bonus of being able to listen to people's thoughts or you know dictate them. Um, and and that's you know, the shining is a supernatural ability, but it's like what the hotel's doing is also that, but they're just doing it to Jack. Oh yeah, definitely. And his corruption, it's like kill the kid. Because the kid's trouble mm-hmm. for us and kill Dick because he's going to be trouble as well and kill your wife while you're at it. Like, we, we are corrupting you. We're going to eat your soul. And that's what this is. It's, it, it's in Doctor Sleep, you know, they're starving. 
Fuck, these are good movies. <laughs> no, right? It's like, you know, it's a good movie when you're just thinking about it. You can't actually say things about it. Yeah. Like, like your 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 mind, my mind, because it's all fucked. <laughs> can't, like, <laughs> it's not true. It's not untrue. See? I didn't. It can be both. It can be both. But yeah, it's when your mind can't, like, comprehend into words what you're experiencing. Mm. Some movies do that. Some movies have a reason why they do that. Like if you watch a movie in five minutes and a, sh- and a giant elephant shits on you, you're like, well, this is going to be all right. This is what this is about. Yeah. Well, I think the, the thing about most of Kubrick's films and particularly The Shining, because it does deal with the, the otherness, the things that we don't understand, there's no explanation. Yeah. You don't know why Jack is, is totally willing to accept the fact that there's a party going on in the ballroom. And he walks in there and he's all happy and he's like, you know, to have a drink and because, you know, I got two bills in my wallet that are, you know, thought they were going to be there till next June kind of thing and blah, blah, blah. And then he gets the avocat um, spilt on him mm-hmm. by Grady. And that's like, it's disgusting, by the way, it's alcohol and like egg yolks or something, but whatever. And, um, and all the parties going on, nothing bad. And they're in the bathroom. This is the most chilling scene for me. Is where he's like he always been t- here. Tells him his, yeah, tells him his name. Yeah, exactly. But he's like Grady. And he goes, "You killed your wife and children, like that kind of thing." And he's like, "Oh, I don't recall doing that, sir." And and then he's like, "You know, your son has reached out to the N word," and he's like, "The N word, the N word," and you know, you need to stop that. The the hard hit of that N word, like that's a fucking horrible word under every single circumstance. But in this particular moment. It is used three times in a row, and you realize the venom that it has, um, uh, and and like how they the hotel is using prejudices that it understands that Jack's character has to to manipulate the situation even further. Thinking about Jack Nicholson, you know his performance in this, like he's 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 played unhinged better than anybody, right? I I believe so. Like. Yeah, I'm, I'm not a fan of the joke, and you're, you're not surprised by that because I've said it so many times. But you don't like his version of the Joker. No, I I don't like Joker period as a character. You don't like the Joker. Yeah, like the only okay. the only impactful thing the Joker has ever done is kill Jason Todd. I will die on that hill. Sure, sure. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's a good book. It's good. No, Death in the Family is a great book. Um, but yeah, um, uh, but yeah, there, dude, there is something so fucking unsettling about like his his eyes man the, mm. like uh, like he's in the car and the way he's speaking and the way it's just locked onto him it's it's so unsettling the the um you know dad i'm hungry well you should have eaten your breakfast then like that's is just really or when when it's like you're talking about the the people in the andes or not the andes or the mountain ranges or whatever who had to eat each other or some story that he's telling in the in the car drive on the way up there and um and she's like oh maybe we shouldn't talk about this and she's like he's like it's all right mom i saw it on television he goes you see he saw it on the television like he's just he's kind of shitty at everything um and he's so like i said before in the interview he's so smug and so fake in the interview and then you see him in in like the reality of who he is jack's career is outstanding i know that he's got a you know bad reputation and you know in some circles or whatever but he's 
his work as a young young man as a as an actor and director and and you know uh, his performances like this um uh the last detail is is an incredible picture fucking um one flew over the cuckoo's nest is just uh, amazing he did some really interesting work um in the 90s as well where he stopped being that version of himself and was quite avuncular and 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 warm um about schmidt is a perfect example it was early 2000s um, as good as it gets is one of my favorite films. I have never seen a more accurate portrayal of someone with obsessive compulsive disorder. Um, the scene where he has to give the dog back to, he's been babysitting his, his his neighbor's dog and he has to give the dog back and he's gotten used to having it. And he has to like, he's standing at the door and it's a tight close up on his, on like his profile. And he's just breathing, trying to deal with the fact that he's about to have a panic attack because his life is being changed. And, and and the departed, like what a what a what a horrible, um, wonderful performance of a villain there. Like it, it's such a loss that that we didn't get to see more of his old older, you know, older man. We went, Michael Caine's only just retired and he's ninety something. Like Jack Nicholson retired in his seventies because he was having trouble remembering lines and stuff. Um, I think uh, Departed might have been one of, if not his yeah, last role. One of, yeah, yeah, a, a truly gifted actor and and a, and a very specific type for each period like his youth was kind of fiery and and you know crazy then he had kind of he was kind of funny in the 80s and was doing some weird shit like um uh the witches of eastwick is a fantastic performance where he kind of plays the devil um uh, so good and yeah yeah 90s and 2000s where he was he was playing against type and and, and that um he, i think this is probably one of it's got to be his top three performances yeah, I've only seen him in this stuff, so I can't. I can't like. Oh right, okay. It's it's like go, go revisit some stuff, you know. Just just try look look up Jack Nicholson on whatever streaming service you use or whatever, and just see what he's been in and see what sparks your interest because he's fucking electric. Like you can't take your eyes off him. Um, at the end of this film, where he's on the stairs, which is so beautifully mirrored in in Doctor Sleep yeah. between Rosa Hat and Danny. Yeah. Um, really great, and uh, where he's you know, I'm not gonna hurt you. Give me the bat. Give me the bat. I'm not gonna. Hurt you. I'm just gonna. I'm gonna bash your brains. I'm just gonna bash him right the fuck in. Like he's so. You want to laugh, but it's really horrible as well. It's just to to skirt that line is um you know what 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 an amazing performer. Yeah, it's like the performance is this is the thing that's one of the most terrifying things. Like I can get used to like the ghost shit in the house, but the thing is that these people that this person is doing to his family is fucking horrible. Mm. And I, I, I truly believe that at the end of this film, Danny has a panic attack because he sees what his father is going to do, and then Tony takes over and shines the fuck out of uh, Dick Har- Dick Harlan. That's how he comes. Yeah, yeah. That's that's what happened. He sees the he sees the um, the blood in the um, in the elevator, Dan- Danny, and he's he's sitting there, he's twitching and he's drooling and all that stuff. And the um, great great performance by by that young actor too. Um, and and yeah, like he gets he gets taken over by the by the spirits by his by his um his inner self. What's happened, ninjas? Did um, ninjas finally come for you? No, I'm sorry. I heard a knock and I'm the only one in this room. 
that's fucking bloody old and weird. We're talking about machining. I know. Um, anyway. Yeah, I think also the the, the calling of Dick Halloran, um, like that was what I was trying to say before and I lost my track. He is the only casualty apart from Jack. He's the, it is the only actual act of, you know, physical violence in the entire film when he gets fucking axed in the chest um, coming to save the day. It's so funny too because it keeps cutting back to him. I, not- I noticed it for the first time when I watched it at the cinema for whatever reason. It cuts back to Dick a lot. He's in the thing. He's on the plane. Yeah. He's landing. He's talking to the buyer, getting a hire car. How am I going to get to the overlook? Oh, you know, it's not working out with these people. Turned out they're real assholes. And then you see him driving up there in the fucking, the, the snow cat. And he finally gets there. He walks in. The place is empty. And he gets fucking axed immediately. I'm like, well, what was all that for? <laughs> you know what I mean? Poor motherfucker. Traveled for days and days and days. Nonsense. But yeah, I... Like Dick Halloran is is my favorite character from that film. Mm. I don't he, know. He, he's also like really, really well utilized in Doctor Sleep. He is. I probably that's that's the reason why. Probably. Yeah. Probably it speaks that. to you more. Yeah. I love the 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 um the uh what I would term come arriving and being the savior, and then that doesn't happen, and it falls to 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 um wendy to shelly duvall who is also like she was famously tortured by by um you know emotionally tortured by kubrick while making this picture like to get her to the the place of terror that she got to she said it was a horrible experience i think they kind of she kind of forgave him as the years went on but like during it it was a real real harrowing there's a fantastic behind the scenes um uh, clip of them getting ready to film the extremely famous so famous it's the poster art here's johnny Part, which was an ad lib by by um because uh i don't think kubrick didn't know what the johnny carson show was because he lived in the uk but that was just you know he, jack having a good time and getting into his character there's a great thing of that scene where you know shelly duvall's in the, in the bathroom and, and stanley's like yeah okay we're gonna do this and blah, blah blah and you see jack in the bedroom the adjacent bedroom getting ready for the scene and he's just jumping up and down and pumping himself up and like getting ready for the scene I love that. I, 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 I love that kind of aggressive character work that, that, that some actors do. Some people take it too far, but um, in in the way that, you know, after the death of Dick, you know, signifies the end of safety, like they're, they're, they're on their own, that kind of bit, is where we kind of kick into gear and so much so that the house gets overly confident and starts revealing itself and, and showing uh, Wendy you know, lovely party and it's a guy with a fucking crushed skull and she starts seeing the the two little girls again, which is, you know, that fam- fantastic shot, um, you know, where Danny comes around the corner and they, and, and you realize that this is, this is, there's no way out but through um, kind of situation. I will say as well, when Danny's riding around the house, the fucking foley work on... The wheels, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. On the on the wheels, so he's on carpet, and the, and then he hits the hits the the floorboards, and then back on carpet again. Like there's something about that drone that is so. Uh, you would have to do it. I know you'd have to do it as a foley artist. You'd look at that and go, "Well, that needs to change." But there's something really specific about it that's unsettling. It's it's a kid on tricycle in a hotel where there's only his his parents. It's it's not even the fact that it's a haunted hotel. It's it's just that he's alone. He, he's alone, venturing into a land of things that he doesn't know, and we get to see some of it through his eyes, and it's all fucked up, like of all kinds. 
Yeah, or, and and you see yeah the two girls, but then you see the the the, the flash of them all both chopped up. You know, that's like that's this was in the interview process where he's like, well, you know, it's something we had to disclose, but someone went crazy and killed his entire family up here and he's like oh well my wife loves that kind of stuff and blah 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 uh oh you getting shined again i'm not getting there's like a continuous knock to go and get him get him no Fuck there's off. nothing there there's nothing yeah. there it's probably a bird or something or a ghost but um yeah, like, you know, he's talking about his wife likes horror movies and it's going to be fine. Like, everything that he doesn't disclose to them, you know, throughout the film, it starts there, like, that mistrust. Um, just before we kind of, like, you know, come to a kind of a, a, a rounding up and talk about Stanley for a little bit, have you seen many of his other pictures? I've only seen this in 2001. His movies are so specific, you know? he he he's, Like, he is... It's a Kubrick movie, like they're marketed as such. He makes films very particularly. He has a real understanding of space. He would have been a good architect. Like his his the geometry of his work is 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 so particular and so even. Like you you, you often look at a frame and 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 it's perfectly even. Um, in a lot of respects, and and I like that a lot. I know that he manipulated the text. And changed it so he does it with all of his films, and he is he has famously had you know fracas with screenwriters forever. There's an entire book written by the the guy who wrote Eyes Wide Shut about that very thing that he he struggled to to work on this screenplay with Stanley because he at once knows exactly what he wants, but not what he wants until he sees it kind of situation. Um, yeah, I know that it wasn't well liked by the creator, but you know things change and mediums change, and it, this is a is a, a absolute masterpiece of a, of a film. Like they can't it can't be denied. The performances that he was able to get out of people, the images that he put on screen, um, you know, could never be replicated. You know, in terms of their impact, their 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 impact in in, in popular culture and in, in in the zeitgeist of of what movies are. Like, if you say The Shining to someone. Nine times out of ten, they're going to probably say 2001, but that other one time, they say The Shining before anything else. Like, it really is an absolute masterpiece. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. 2001, for me, stands stands above this for, for a lot of reasons. But yeah, this this one is... This is this is one of one of the films that I really want... I really want to show my friends because it's scared really easily. <laughs> Oh yeah, well then they'll shit a solid gold brick, mate. Yeah, what? They'll shit a solid gold brick. That's what's okay. going to happen. I, I couldn't, I couldn't understand what you said before. So That's right. My accent went real deep for a second there as well. It was like it went full yellow. Oh yeah, fucking I'm fucking I'm saying that, man, man. I mean, the the image of of an old man or like a white old man in a suit getting a blowjob by someone in a in a bear costume is is something that's like in my head now for like eternity. And hey, there's shit. And turn, the turn towards camera and the crash zoom oh, onto God. it as well. And the fact that he's all in that bear costume, there's a flap at the back and his bare ass is poking out of it. Well, we all know what's going on there. Didn't notice that part? I noticed it in fucking 4K the other night. Christ. I, I, I um, really didn't. <laughs> to go back and, and treat yourself, but yeah, crash zooms are really you know, used really well in this. He uses zooms a lot. He was, you know, as opposed to even you know dollies or tr- tracks or whatever, he, he zooms in on on 
details and, and, and really beautifully. The one last little part that I will talk about uh, before we start winding up is um, the scene where uh, it's it's Wendy and Dan and they're watching TV and he's like, can I go to my room and get my toys? And she's or get a truck. And she's like, your dad's sleeping. You know, he, he keeps going to bed later and later, you know, and, and because he's he, it's getting to the point where he can't sleep at all because he's just, what do we not see? You know, like we see so many interactions that he has with these ghosts. What are the ones we don't see? When it's the scenes with Wendy and Dan, what's going on with Jack? Like, you know, when he's sitting at that, what does he think he's writing? Yeah, that's that's the you big question I mean? that I have is what in his head does he does he think that he's writing? Because on paper, it's just that. But then there's this one paper where he writes that, but in the shape of a key for some reason. Yeah. It's it's insane. It's just one page, like it's all that, and then there's one page where he writes it in the shape of a key, and then there's like pages of what it was before that. Yeah, I'm sure there's there's a thousand ways you can go into that if you if you believe in a flat Earth or whatever, um, or or maybe it is something very specific. And but knowing knowing Kubrick's tastes, it probably is, but it might be just specific to him. I don't know. But the the scene where Dan does go up to get the toy, and his dad's sitting on the bed and. He sits there and he's like, you'd never heard us, would you, Dad? He's like, no. Do you like it here? He goes, yeah, I wish we could stay forever and ever and ever. Like that to me is the turning point. That's where he's woken up that morning and decided to give in to the ghost. You know, he's like, I'm, I'm I have no more fight. I'm just going to let this do what it's going to do to me. Plays beautifully to the, to the moment um, in Dr. Sleep where Dan gets up and gets his, his eight year chip. And he's like, this is where my dad wanted to be. Um, you know, he, he, he was, he had demons and he was haunted. Um, but he, he tried, I think there is an element of that in Jack's character and, and you see it most in that scene. That's probably my favorite scene in the whole film where you see what should be a really tender moment and what he thinks is a tender moment, but he's really, he's really gone at that point. Yeah. Like there's, there's nothing there that's, that's, that's him that's, that's saying that it's, it's him completely seduced by the hotel yeah seduced is a great fucking word to, right? to, to use for it because that's what it is it's like you can be happy here there's there's nude women every room you walk into and there's free drinks and you've always been here and it's a party 24 sev you know like that yeah seduction is is I'm, I'm so glad we got to that word as we were finishing the conversation about it because yeah it couldn't couldn't be more poignant you know yeah and one last thing before before we do round up is, I don't know this might be this might be me just reaching out, but there's there's a section where where they talk about how this this hotel was built on the land by like Native Americans they used to live live there and then they were killed for this hotel, and throughout the hotel there's there's art mimic, yeah. mimicking of like them, and then you see there's there's a scene where he's when he's throwing the ball, in like in that hallway that he's that he's writing in, he's yep. throwing the ball on 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 their art, I guess. Yeah. And I don't know. It's it's that set, or like I guess it's that mindset of you know, these white men they came, they killed, and they built that, and you know this this land is cursed because of it, and they're all here because they did these horrible things. And they yeah, like they they're stuck here now. Like they like doing those horrible things, and that's why they're all here. And that's what like brings it all. Like 
I don't know. This might be. This might get really dark by the end of it. So no, go, this, go, go. So cut it out. But like, like those people liked doing those things, right? And I guess what what Jack would have felt is what they felt while doing that. So it's it's just amplifying the the bad thing that they thought was was their feeling of you know euphoria, I guess, or like yeah, like. Their their form of uh, doing something bad that gives them pleasure, like like yeah, a, not a fetish, but like doing something the bad that gives them pleasure. Yeah, no, but like a a, a, a fetish might be the word, but it's more like a um, they're imbibing, like it's a libation. They're they're kind of you know um, doing something that's bad for them and other people, but they 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 like it. Uh, hedonism, you know that kind of thing. It's it's. It's absolutely um, uh, what they're doing, and and it's and it's not even like the idea of it being a Native American curse. They talk about that in the Amityville Horror as well, because the original house that that film is based on was supposedly built on Indian burial ground. But I don't really think that that's how the the um, uh, you know Native American think. Like I don't think that that's how they they look at spirituality. Like I, I, I you know I don't think they would intentionally curse somebody. But I I, I don't know the law. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't claim to. But the idea of that makes sense that these this would happen you would take this away and then these white people will start fucking eating each other yeah like i'm i'm not saying that they i'm not saying that the curse it i'm saying that the curse is that that this happened there and that yeah. like 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 danny seeing the blood coming out of the the elevators is is the blood of of all of those people that were killed and it's 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 kind of showing the how it kind of seduces like because people could see that and be horrified and then there would be someone who sees that and like damn yeah i could I, and and those people are in that room like yeah that, that, that most room, of that room you know, is that, that people yeah yeah exactly and as as much of them are actual real ghosts some of them are just you know creations of the 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 undying trauma that that comes from the 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 the, the theft of that land you know yeah and like for for me, like when I knew that Jack wasn't there, is when when he's when he's having breakfast in bed, but like dipping the bacon in the eggs and saying, "I like it here because I, it feels like I've been here before. Maybe I was always yeah. here." And it's just yeah, yeah, man. powerful. And and he's already starting to like eating with your hands like that and talking through food. Like it's already becoming um, decadent. Uh, you know, like the power of the place is already becoming like, oh yeah, I'm I have, I'm, I'm Lord of the Manor king of the castle like this is you know i've got my family i've got my food i've got my work that's important and that kind of self importance that he puts on on everything he does you know and then the after before the ego death that kind of thing that we're talking about you're right that really is the turn that really is the moment where it all changes because of bacon yeah it's you hear that everyone bacon. Yep. fucking bacon's the issue <laughs> so that's the shining everyone from 1980, do go and see it. If you have an opportunity to go and see it, uh, perhaps at the cinema, if they're doing a retro screening, or if you can get a decent 4K of it, or shit, a 35mm print, just go out and check it out and do as a double bill with Doctor Sleep. Why not? Final thoughts, comments, questions? I'm talking to you, not the audience, obviously, because it's not participatory. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> ah, final thoughts. It's, 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 it's scary. 
What is it's started, scary. Great. I started Amazing. three times for that for some reason. <laughs> That's all right. I stutter a lot. If you go back, I cut out some of them too. Um, yeah. It's, it's My brain's faster than my mouth. So. Same. My brain's yeah. not faster. It's just a million places all at once. Yeah, right. You like the flash. Um, okay. Well, if that case, let me okay. make it easy for you. If you if you uh, had to give it a rating out of five screams, how many screams would you give it? I'd give it a solid three. Three screams. Three screams from Addie. Fantastic. Well, we're going to get into some Q&A before we finish up. Would we have some Q&A? We do. How many screams would Capital. you give it? Five. I love it. I think it's I think it's great. I think it's a perfect movie. Um, what flavor? What flavor movie? <laughs> no. Not ice creams. Not 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 ice creams. Very funny. <laughs> All right. Q and A then. <laughs> Sorry, that was stupid. No, I loved it. I loved it. If it was gonna be a flavour, it'd be like a mango sorbet. I like a solid chocolate chip. Chocolate chip. There's a really fucking good uh ice cream here. Um that's uh I can't remember the name of the company, but it might be Weiss. Anyway, it's a vegan one that's made with like coconut milk instead. And one half of it's raspberry and the other half of it's chocolate. And fuck me, the combination is outrageous. I got my dad into it. I went up to see him because he lives in Brisbane. And I went up and uh, we were having dinner or whatever. And he's like, oh, we don't have any dessert. And I'm like, oh, that's all right. You know, it doesn't have to have dessert. It's all good. And and um, uh, my stepmom was like, cat. Uh, she was like, oh, we'll get something tomorrow. So we went out the following day and, and she got this vegan ice cream, this Weiss raspberry and uh and and uh chocolate because because i was staying obviously and I, I don't eat normal ice cream and we had it that night and dad had it with a banana he's like oh this is fucking this is lovely this is, oh mate it's beautiful whatever and blah blah and so we had a bit more and had a bit more and you know over the course of the week that i was there i, I got home and i spoke to him probably two weeks later or something we were just caught you know having a chat and i, I was like all right mate love you i'll talk to you soon he goes oh regs that ice cream it's so good. I'm like, pretty good, right? It's like, you know, for, for, for vegan ice cream, it's, 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 you know, top shelf. And he's like, we've had a lot of it since you left. And I'd been gone two weeks. I'm like, how many, how much? And he goes, oh, probably like six tubs. I'm like, six tubs, mate? In a fucking, it's like a two liter thing. It's in two weeks. Stop blaming it on the COVID pounds, mate. All right. If you've put on weight, dad, it's because you've been eating too much of fucking vegan ice cream. I love you. You're a, you're a, you're an absolute champion. <laughs> This fucking awesome, man. <laughs> My dad's cool. My dad's very cool. He's a funny guy. Anyway, questions. How many? Two. The double. Let's do it. So I've got this part up, but you just maybe remember this. Um, so I was like fucking 12. Um, uh, I ate seven ice creams in one day with my grandfather. Oh, my God. Did he have seven as well? Yeah, we both, we both, we both like shared. <laughs> I'm leaving that in. That's amazing. That's like one of the best grandfather days ever. We didn't we didn't tell anybody and both of us were sick the next day for some reason. We just I'm not surprised. <laughs> Jesus, Mary and Joseph. That's 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 an awful lot. So, what's question number the first? If you had permission to ride or drive anything through an entire hotel, what would you choose? This is a good question. That is a fucking good question. 
A Zamboni. I don't know what that is. One of those things that they use to, to, to polish ice rinks. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, it was just a joke because I love that word. Um, now, if I had to actually say it, um, I mean, a little trike would be good. If there were, they, Apparently, when they were making Doctor Sleep, they made an adult-sized version of it. And during between takes, they would just ride around on it. So, that'd be pretty fun, I reckon. That's my... Like an adult version of that. A tricycle. Yeah, yeah, like an adult, but for me, for, for a big for a big dude. Now I'm just imagining you on a tricycle and that's, yeah. Do I have clothes on? Huh? <laughs> Do I have clothes on? Because in my head I don't, and I'm eating a banana. <laughs> it's a banana nude on oh, a tricycle. <laughs> it's a tri-banana nude. What? It's a tri-banana nude. That's, that, that, that sounds like where someone who lives next door to Namor and all his people. Ah, oh, yes, the tri-banana nudes. <laughs> They're yellow and peeled. Um, <laughs> oh God! <laughs> That's my favorite joke in Anchorman Two, which I don't think is a very good film, but there's one really good joke in it where it's um, Steve Carell as Brick and whoever Kristen Wiig plays, and she asks she asks him, "What's your favorite food?" And he goes, "Peeled." <laughs> so silly. Okay, anyway, oh. what, what would you like to ride around a, a, a hotel, hopefully not haunted? I have like a really bad joke in my head that I'm not going to say. Do it, come on, this no. is the safe space. No. All right. Um, yeah, Iron Man suit, maybe? No. Yeah, that's cool. I like that. Oh, you know what would be cool? If I got like one of those really old, like uh, really old cars. Like the ones they used, like like before cars were like actual fucking cars, like like one of mm. the first automobiles. Yeah, that you had to hand crank at the front. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. That's pretty good. In that, if that if that's the case, sorry, now go ahead. Yeah, in that just like fucking ramming it in. It won't go into the. It won't. It won't. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. Ramming it in, it won't go in too deep. Okay, good. It's because my first time, so. <laughs> You fucking, you left that door wide open. You left that door so open, you put a fucking brick in front of it so that it wouldn't close. <laughs> Sometimes you if have to do it. Answer. Sometimes you have to do so, that when, when it doesn't do go it. too deep. No. you got to do it. <laughs> it's a method. If you're, if you're changing your answer, I'm oh, sorry, if you're having your answer as an old timey timey car, I want to be riding a penny farthing then. Cool. I still don't know what that is. You don't know what a penny farthing is? It's this old-timey bicycle that was one huge wheel oh, at the front. That. Okay. And you sit really high on it. Yeah, and then a little one at the back. It was like, I don't know who invented it and thought, yeah, this will take on. Like, I mean, I probably did, but I think it might have been like a height thing they were used to being on horses. But like the idea of two wheels that are the same size probably would have occurred to people more quickly but no we weren't gonna have one massive one at the front and a tiny one at the bottom <laughs> and fall off like that's the only thing i could imagine that would happen yeah anyway the, the tiny one is, is is like a support wheel when you have like kids who are new to bicycles and you have like support wheels yeah but then on a tr- uh, but on a unicycle one the one tire isn't fucking enormous like it's not the size of a fucking tractor tire it's just silly you're so far away from the ground anyway that's a good answer. What was the second question? That was a trip. Like, the question was a trip. 
that that we went to some places. That's what I love about Question Time. Is I mean, none of this is the only thing that is is pre sort of thought out is um, you know, what we've been watching in nerd news. But that's just whatever. The rest of it's all ad hoc. And the question part's the best because you never know what's coming. We knew we were doing an episode on this on The Shining. I didn't know that we'd be talking about, you know, put putting in a portion, yeah, and and writing penny farthings. What sexy celebrity draws you in? Then what sphere does it become? Okay, it's Juno Temple uh, from Ted Lasso, who plays Keely, and she turns into a shark. <laughs> It's fucking true. I I love sharks. I think they're beautiful creatures and I love to watch them. And my favourite movie, Stars One, terrified of them. Imagine, Absolutely terrified of imagine them. Imagine she turns into a shark, but she talks like Clayface from the Harley Quinn. But she Queen still talks. Oh, okay. Harley Quinn well, cartoon. I, I, it's still funny if she just talks like herself yeah, that's, as well. Yeah. Like, you know. But yeah, that, that would be mine. Or Carla Gugino. Mm-hmm. Uh, or Gugino, I think it is. I've been pronouncing it wrong, sorry. Because um, just oh my god, what a ab- absolutely incredible actress, and what a what an absolutely beautiful person as well. Um, and she turns into a bunch of bees. I like bees, but on mass they're pretty scary. Bees are scary, like poo to me. Yeah, are you allergic to them, or are you just? I'm not. Actually, just, I shouldn't put that information scary. on the internet. Someone might turn up with bees and to get you. <laughs> Ding dong, beeagram. What are you? <laughs> <laughs> There's a bunch of bees behind this fucking door. They're knocking. Because it's obligated. Any couple first. Yes, of course. What else? No, I had something really, really crazy in my head. He, he, it becomes into the, the duel in season two of the boys who has like a, who has a serpent dick. <laughs> oh, yep. Yeah, okay. Yep, yep. That works. That totally works. Because you know what? If I go out by a ghost, that's how I want to go. Yeah, man. Hey, man, if you got to go, go with a smile. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, everybody, did you have another one? Paul Muscal in a, in a nightwing suit, but he, but he turns... Oh, no. <laughs> Paul Mus- Come on, I'm bated breath. Paul, Paul Muscal in a nightwing suit and he turns into a... He turns into turns into Deadpool, but like how he turns, he like how Wade Wilson turns into Dead, like his his skin becomes that. Oh, okay. So he becomes basically a, a cornflake in front of you. Horrific. Because to destroy Paul Mescal like that, my God. Yeah. Could you imagine destroying <laughs> Paul? I could. What? <laughs> <laughs> and on that note. Destroying Paul Mescal. That's that's the best way we could possibly end. Thank you so much for joining us again, everyone. We hope you enjoyed the episode today. We'll be back next week. We will have our special guest, uh, Leanne, coming back on, um, reprising from her DC Extended Universe episode that we did, Jesus, last year. Um, and uh, we're going to be talking about the fantastic Mike Flanagan series, Midnight Mass, to round out our Flanagan Fright Fest for the October scary season. Please do come back again. Addy, it's such a treasure being here with you, talking this nonsense, penny farthings and Paul Mescal getting slammed. 
I absolutely adore it. I love you, mate. Thanks so much. I love you too, man. That's it, everyone. We'll see you next time. And remember... Stay amazing. Stay safe. Red gum. Red gum.